1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to Corora Resources' fourth quarter 2020 conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during this session, you'll need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I'd now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Oliver Turner, Executive Vice President, Corporate Development for Corora. Thank you. Please go ahead, sir.
2: Thank you, Operator. Good morning, and welcome to the Corora Resources Fourth Quarter Conference Call. Before we get started, Paul Hewitt, Corora's Chairman and CEO, sends his regrets he cannot leave today's call as he completes critical preparation for his and his family's imminent relocation to Western Australia. Paul's relocation to Australia is a significant positive step forward for Corora as he joins Graham Sloan on the ground to lead our growth plans and strategic initiatives going forward. Speaking on the call with me today are other members of our executive management team, including Graham Sloan, Managing Director of Australian Operations, and Barry Dahl, Chief Financial Officer. This morning we issued a new release, news release outlining our very strong results for the fourth quarter and full year 2020 results. Our MD&A financial statements for the period ended December 1st, uh, 31st, 2020, have been filed, all of which are available on the Corora website or under Corora's profile on SEDAR. Before I begin my presentation, I would like to remind you to please review our cautionary statements regarding forward-looking information and non-IFRS measures, which can be found in our MD&A news release and on our presentation slides. So thank you to all of you who have joined us today for our call. As we are all all aware, it has been a challenging time for all of us over the last year as we have navigated the uncertainty associated with the global pandemic. I want to start by thanking the entire CORA team for delivering an outstanding performance in a difficult period of time. There are literally too many accomplishments to highlight them all but I'll provide a brief summary and then tell you why I am so excited about the road ahead of us, both as partners and shareholders of Corora. With respect to 2020, I'll start with a few major achievements. For the full year, we delivered production just shy of hundred thousand gold ounces, which handsomely beat the top end of our guided range of 90 to 95,000 ounces. As we continually reinforced over the course of 2020, cost reductions were a major focus of both management and operations during the year. We delivered on that target, with 2020 all in sustaining costs coming in at $1,026 per ounce, below the bottom end of our guidance of $1,050 to $1,200 per ounce. Not only that, but in the fourth quarter, we recorded our lowest quarter on an all in sustaining cost basis since the acquisition of the Higginsville mill in 2019. All in sustaining costs for the fourth quarter came in at $912 per ounce, a tremendous achievement and a strong beat of our target of reaching AISC of $1,000 by the end of the year. Well done to everyone. On the financial front, robust operations, along with major reductions in royalties and the elimination of hedges, led to record annual net earnings of $88 million for 2020 which included net earnings of almost $43 million in the fourth quarter. Lastly, but certainly not least, in December, we delivered a new consolidated gold reserve and resource estimate, including a 334% increase in 2P reserves to 1.33 million ounces and a 167% increase in MI gold re- mineral resources to 2.52 million ounces. All of these accomplishments are the result of our strategy to reduce costs, increase productivity, and set Corora up for growth. For 2021, we have increased our gold production guidance range to 105 to 115,000 ounces, which is a 20% increase compared to last year's guidance. And we have lowered full year AISC guidance by 8% to a range of $985 to $1,085 per ounce. As we are all aware, Corora has an extremely large land position of over 1,900 square kilometers of highly prospective ground from which to grow our already strong reserve resource base in one of the most prolific gold regions in the world. To continue our success in unlocking the potential of our assets, we have increased our exploration and drilling budget to Australian $20 million in 2021 this is the largest exploration budget this land package has seen since the last bull gold market and we are certainly excited to see what we can find with the drill bit with respect to progress in the first quarter operations are tracking in line with our mine plans we have begun deploying capital towards our growth initiatives this year and have worked through a couple months of planned slightly lower grade open pit ore in preparation of sequential improvements in grade as we move through 2021 Looking beyond 2021, our team is working hard to deliver a multi-year organic growth plan, which we expect to outline to the market in the second quarter, Stay tuned To support this growth plan, as announced last month, Paul will be relocating his family to Western Australia. His 30 years of mining leadership and operation experience will certainly be a key factor in delivering this plan alongside Graham Sloan to take Cora to the next level. Before I hand over the call to Graham to continue to outline our operational performance, I would like to reinforce how excited we are as a firm, and I am personally, with respect to where we can take this company over the next few years. Buckle up, it's gonna be fun. At this point, I will turn the call over to Graham to outline a fantastic year of operations.
3: Thank you, Oliver. By all measures, our operations turned in a strong performance in 2020. First and foremost, the health and safety of our personnel. This is our top priority and I'm pleased to report we have been lti free at our Higginsville operation for over 700 days and at Beta Hunt for over 230 days. Both are outstanding results and reflect the positive culture and dedication of the entire Kaora team, which include our contracting partners. During the fourth quarter, we bolstered our emergency response teams with new equipment and additional training, along with new and upgraded medical facilities at both sites. And I must say, I'm extremely proud of the professional and diligent approach our people have taken in this crucial area. On to slide six, operational highlights Higginsville. On a consolidated basis for the full year 2020, We processed over 1.3 million tonnes at an average grade of 2.33 for just under 100,000 ounces. This is an increase of 75% and 54% respectively when compared to 2019. Mill recoveries averaged a very respectable 93% for the full year and for the fourth quarter. We also finished the year on a high with just under 26,000 ounces produced in quarter four, our best quarterly production for the year. At Higginsville, we continue to operate the mill at full capacity with average mill availability exceeding 95%. In 2021, we're expecting the average mill grade to increase in the latter half of the year. As a result of the higher grade Spargos project coming online, production from Cora's first ever underground mine at Higginsville Central we're also planning on increasing the throughput capacity at Higginsville from the current 1.4 million tonnes per annum to around 1.6 an increase of approximately 550 tonnes per day or 15 percent we should be operating at this level later this year Oliver has already provided guidance for the for the for the year however I did want to add that the guidance does factor in the increasing grades and increased milk capacity this being the case we'll see our production for this year slightly weighted towards the second half slide seven operational highlights beta hunt for the full 2020 year beta hunt contributed a total of 56 percent or 745 percent tonnes of the 1.3 million tonne processed, at an average grade of 2.8, or just under 66 and a half thousand ounces, a 77% increase over 2019. This is significant. However, it should be noted that beta hunt production was ramped down, or slowed down, in late 2018, early 2019, to allow completion of our transformational resource drilling program. Uh, campaign being undertaken at that time. On a quarterly basis, Beta Hunt's total tonnes mill was 182,000, down slightly on the third quarter, although gold production was up 9% to just under 17,000 ounces due to a higher grade. In the second half of 2020, Beta Hunt mine production averaged around 60 to 65,000 tonnes per month. That's an increase of approximately 20% compared to the start of the year. The increase largely due to an upgrade of the mining fleet and improved stoke production techniques. During the year, we added two new trucks, 60 tonne trucks and one 2900 loader. And this year, we'll add a further two trucks and two loaders, all aimed at improving load haul efficiencies and lowering costs. Production will again be centred around western flanks and the A-Zone, with the new Larkin Zone expected to come online in 2022. Slide eight, as Oliver earlier pointed out, we delivered a record increase in gold resource and reserves, adding close to 500,000 ounces to our 2P reserve inventory at Higginsville and over 175,000 ounces at Beta Hunt this is a huge undertaking and a real credit to our project and geological teams this year our total exploration spend will be 20 million a significant increase from the 10 million budget at the start of 2019 and then subsequently increased to 15 mid-year So, why such a large increase well we have the strong opinion that there's huge room for growth in our resource and reserves And I certainly look forward to a a resource inventory update this year and in future years. Slide 9, Higginsville Exploration Highlights. At Higginsville, exploration is focused on completing the Scout Air Corps Drill Program on Lake Cowell. For most of the year, Lake Cowell is a dry salt lake that extends many kilometres to the south and north. In fact, it's part of the same lake system that covers a large portion of Campbell's 15 million historic ounce production and Norseman's 6 million ounce. To date, there has been very limited drilling over this highly prospective area. Initial assay results from the scout drilling have been extremely encouraging, including an intersection we released in early February of 1.35 grams per tonne over 50 metres, including 3.6 over 16 metres. Now, typically with this type of drilling, anything above 20 parts per billion is classed as interesting. To achieve a result in grams per tonne is therefore very exciting. Other exploration drill targets at Higginsville include Mount Henry and the sleuth trend, which contains the Baloo deposit. And Nanook monsoon prospects these areas will continue to be tested throughout the year our resource definition team will focus on near mine targets within Higginsville Central close to the Higginsville plan and will include Aquarius two boys and Trident. our aim here will be to expand the resource base and convert as much as possible into the higher 2p category slide 10 At Beta Hunt, recent exploration drilling has focused predominantly on upgrading and extending the northern up-plunge margin of A zone, the newly discovered Larkin Gold Zone, and testing nickel trough extensions in the Beta area. At Larkin, drill results from the first two follow-up drill holes returned an impressive 19 grams over 9 metres, including 542 grams, over 0.3 of a meter these were reported in our February 1 news release what is important the Larkin zone is located directly beneath the new 30c nickel discovery so mine development in this area will have a dual purpose of servicing both gold and nickel a simple cost-effective and efficient use of the personnel equipment and mine development the 30C nickel zone is the first new nickel discovery in 13 years at Beta Hunt and to date we have multiple intersections ranging between 2 and 9% nickel over 1 to 4 metres as shown on slide 10. If the 30C continues to deliver it could prove to be a very important by-product credit to our gold production so we look forward to providing more drill updates on nickel in the near future also on slide 10 you'll see a range of impressive high-grade gold results for the larkin zone none of which have been included in the current resource and reserve we expect the larkin zone to be included in the resource update later this year on to slide 11 last november we announced some outstanding drill results for spargos project including multiple interceptions of nearly 30 grams per ton over 15 to 19 metres these can be seen on slide 11 our resource definition team is targeting mineralisation over a 400 metre strike to a depth of approximately 100 metres at this stage we're still expecting to be in a position to commence mining the latter part of quarter two so exciting times here at that Spargos so overall a very good year a strong quarter to finish, and a good start to 2021. I look forward to welcoming Paul, Joyce, and their family to Australia and delivering on our plans for this year. So exciting times ahead for all.
4: I'll now turn over to Barry Dahl. Thank you, Graham. I'll provide a few financial highlights from the year and the quarter. Please turn to slide 13, financial highlights. 2020 revenue was $239 million, or up 111 million, or 87%, compared to 2019. The year-over-year increase in revenue was due to higher average gold prices and higher production. Q4 revenue was $69 million, up $10 million, or 17%, compared to the prior quarter. The quarter-over-quarter revenue increase was primarily driven by higher gold sales due due to the timing of sales which offset a slightly lower average realized gold price. For 2020, net earnings were $88 million compared to $7 million loss in 2019. 2020 net earnings benefited from an after-tax impairment reversal in the third quarter of $25.3 million. For the fourth quarter, net earnings were very strong, coming in at $43 million. The operating earnings for 2020 were $99 million, including an impairment reversal in respect of our Beta Hot mine of $36.1 million, which was realized in the third quarter. For the full year, 2020, cash operating costs were $925 per ounce U.S. And ASIC costs were $1,026 U.S. per ounce sold, In Q4 cash costs were U.S. and ASIC costs were $912 U.S. per ounce. We finished the year with a much stronger balance sheet with a cash balance of $79.7 million, an increase of $45 million compared to December 2019, and $12 million compared to September 30, 2020. Working capital was $57 million as at December 31, 2020, an improvement of $30 million compared to the prior year, and $13 compared to September 30th. I will now turn the call back over to Oliver.
2: Thanks, Barry. Hello again, everyone. Over the course of 2020, we put in place a number of measures designed to emphasize CORA's strategic direction uh, and to focus on our gold operations and strengthen the attractiveness of our shares' core investors. In July last year, we sold our remaining 28% interest in the DuMont nickel project for an immediate cash injection of $11 million. However, importantly, we retained significant leverage to what has been a volatile but very exciting nickel market. Upon the eventual sale of DuMont, we retain exposure to up to an additional $30 million, a very healthy cash injection for our shareholders. In June last year, we rebranded the company as Corora Resources to underscore our strategy to grow as a gold company. After the rebranding, we followed up with a strategic decision as voted on by our shareholders to consolidate our shares by a ratio of 4.5 to 1. This decision was taken for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which was to increase the investability of our shares for institutions and those wishing to leverage their investments with the use of margin. This has turned out to be a very successful decision. Since the consolidation, Corora's average daily traded dollar value has more than doubled to $4.6 million per day from $2.2 million per day prior to the consolidation. When we talk about institutional grade investments, Corora shareholders can be proud to say that we certainly check the box when it comes to daily traded volume. As we all know, the gold market has had a challenging start to 2021. In fact, Aurora shares have outperformed our peers by being down slightly less. I know that doesn't sound like an achievement, but it certainly is. And this is a direct result of the sticky, long-term institutional shareholders that we have brought into the story along with our strongest retail shareholders. We are very grateful for your support and are confident that greater times are ahead for the goal complex in general. In line with our continued view that Aurora shares are undervalued, we have been actively repurchasing our common shares under our NCIB. Since the NCIB was announced last April, 278,000 shares have been repurchased for cancellation at an average price of $3.14 per share. When we consider the fact that we issued shares as part of our buyback of the Remelius Royalty at significantly higher prices, this has turned out to be an excellent decision. As shareholders ourselves, we are committed to minimizing dilution, but understand that most counterparties are as excited as we are about the upside in Corora stock. Often, as is the case in all negotiations requiring a mutually beneficial agreement, this leads to an issuance of shares to the counterparty. As a result, we have strategically executed our NCIB in order to eliminate that dilution and, in fact, reduce the effective buyback price. It's a great outcome for all Corora shareholders. With respect to the NCIB, the current plan expires on April 16th, 2021, at which time we expect to renew the program. Another initiative we have recently undertaken has been to engage the services of Six Inc. to improve our engagement with investors. Corora's first live event with Six was held on March 11th with both Paul and myself presenting. The event was extremely well attended and feedback has been very positive. We intend on holding future events on the SIX platform from time to time as material events and updates warrant. We're also working with SIX to bolster our online presence across multiple media platforms to increase investor awareness of the compelling compelling investment thesis and potential of Corora shares. Moving forward, there are several catalysts to look forward to over the course of 2021. First and foremost is our multi-year consolidated organic growth plan, which we are targeting for release during the second quarter. Next, we anticipate the startup of mining at Spargos by the end of the second quarter and have already started preparatory work for the Phase 1 mill expansion at Higginsville, which we will complete during the second half of the year. Later in the year, we plan to issue our 2021 consolidated resource update, which, very importantly, will include the Larkin Gold Zone at Beta Hunt for the very first time, certainly an exciting event. Lastly, we continue our due diligence ahead of a potential ASX listing in the second half of the year. So overall, there's a lot to look forward to in 2021 for Cororan investors, and we expect a very exciting year ahead. With that, I'll turn it back over to the operator for questions.
1: Thank you. As a reminder to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Your first question will come from Tom Gallo from Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
5: Great. Thanks, operator. Congrats, uh, gentlemen, on a great quarter. I've got two questions here. (laughs) First, uh, with regards to all and sustaining costs, it came in uh, as you mentioned Oliver, well below your your guidance range at nine hundred and twelve dollars an ounce for the for for the fourth quarter um should we expect to see these levels going forward or or should we you know expect to see you more in line with your guidance range and and uh, also if you could sort of give some color on quarter over quarter uh you know what what we'd uh, expect from a cost profile
2: yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, so yeah, it certainly was a, a tremendous uh, finish to the year and uh, we were very pleased to record that. Um, obviously, the, the improvement in the all-in-sustaining cost metric came from several avenues. Uh, we were able to to sell more gold ounces during the quarter, which was was quite successful. Uh, we were also, due to the sequence of timing, moving into slightly lower sustaining capital periods at both Fair Plain North and the Blue Open Pit, which benefited the cost metric for the quarter. In twenty twenty one, obviously we're guiding uh all in sustaining cost guidance of nine eighty five uh north to ten eighty five. And we certainly expect to be more so in that range. So during the first quarter, we would expect as we deploy capital into our growth plans and we, we kick back up some of the sustaining capital expenditures to move more into that guided range.
5: Okay, that's uh, that's very helpful. Um and then secondly, just uh with with respect to the ongoing COVID situation um you know across the world but but specifically in western australia have you seen any cost pressures or constraints on uh materials labor you know movement of supplies uh as a result of uh, travel bans and, and things like that
2: yeah so i think i'll hand that question over to grant
3: yeah tom um look we are seeing uh, certainly some some movement around people people sort of um uh uh sort of moving from sort of company to company, which has a sort of a bit of an impact on your sort of your costs around that personnel. Um, There are some, there is a little bit of uh, sort of uh, uh, delays in some of the supplies. But overall, we, I must say, we've been pretty fortunate. We have a very good, strong core of people um, who attract other people to come in. So our overall, our our, our personnel, um, although we see some movement, we've got plenty of sort of coverage for what we need, and it's not overly impacting on our costs. Uh, and some of the other projects around that we see, there it is starting to, and um, if it goes on, it may well impact it. But at the moment, um, we've we've handled it really quite well.
5: That's great. Uh, thanks. That's all. That's all I have from the question perspective. Thanks very much.
1: Your next question comes from Nicholas Dion from Cormark. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
5: Hi,
0: guys. Uh, congrats on another great quarter. Um, just one question for me, which I think you partially answered, but maybe you could just elaborate on it a bit. Um, which exploration areas are you most excited about as you continue with your drill program this year?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, Nick, and uh, thank you for that. Certainly, lots of different areas that that we're excited to drill with the uh, twenty million dollar budget we've outlined this year. But I'll hand that one over to Graham as well to to get into some more specifics.
3: Yeah, Nicholas, it's uh, actually we're we're really quite blessed with a number of uh, of of excellent project uh, um, targets to drill. Um, in particular, if you sort of break it down into two areas. Uh, Truly, Greenfields greenfield area, sort of the, um, um, uh, at, that would go into that lake, the lake cow and the lake, um, the air core drilling that we're doing. That intersection we hit out there, that 50 metres at 1.4 grams or 1.35, you know, it, for that sort of numbers to come up, it really is truly exciting. So, that's got to be a follow up area for us. Um, some of the work around the uh, further south, around the sleuth trend. Um, again, also on the lake um, um, and around the monsoon, there's some some historical holes um, drilled uh, earlier on in the piece, and there's some very big numbers that the uh, previous company wasn't able to replicate. Well, we've got a slightly different model, um, and so we're looking at that, and sort of then when you move in. If, um, in the central area around the plant we've just engaged a, a group a, a, and this group is now starting to compile a lot of the data structural data um, and um, drill grades uh, and face mapping um, you know the whole the whole the whole data uh, uh, package if you like putting that all together they're starting to outline um, a number of targets and i must admit some of those really test the previous theories that we had in place. Um, and and certainly we're looking forward to drilling that and, and they'll start to be drilled in the next couple of quarters. So hopefully we'll be able to report back on those. So that's around the central. And then obviously we've got some good targets in and around Spargos. And then if you move into beta hunt, uh, look, there's any number there around the gold. Larkin looks great, 30C looks good. Um, as far as the nickel. Um, and there's uh, another area we're drilling now, and hopefully if that comes up, we'll be able to release those results as well. So all in all, we're, as I said, really blessed with a number of targets. We've got a big budget, a really good, experienced um, exploration team and um, a resource uh, definition team to back that up as well. So. All in all, um, 2021 should be a good um, a good year as far as exploration.
4: Okay, thanks for that. Lots to look forward to. Um, that's it for me.
1: Your next question comes from Matthew O'Keefe from Cantor Fitzgerald. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
0: Thanks, operator. Uh, congratulations, gents. A very good year. Um, just a couple questions for me. First up. Um, with respect to that uh, the plant expansion um is that what's the budget for that, and is that included in that twenty million dollar spend uh, capital spend you mentioned regarding exploration or is that separate, and what's the amount?
2: yeah, I'll take that one so that that is outside of the twenty million dollar uh budget that we have for exploration, but of course is in our capital budget this year. Um, it is in the low single digit millions for that, for that expansion. We're quite fortunate that in fact it's more of a de-bottlenecking exercise where we are making some adjustments to certain components of the front end of the mill here that are allowing us to improve flows through the mill. So we've actually been test uh, milling the, the mill slightly above uh, nameplate capacity quite successfully here. So that is part of the reason why we're very confident in reaching uh, 1.6 million tonnes per annum by the time we exit 2021. So a very, very cheap expansion.
0: Okay. Uh, And are there any um, constraints for further expansions and are those being considered as well? Like maybe in a year or two?
2: Yes, absolutely. We're we're currently conducting study work that will form part of our organic growth plan on on further expansions to the mill. Um I'll I'll hand it over to Graham here to elaborate in, in a second, but there certainly is the skeleton and the frame for for that mill to do uh much more than 1.6 million tons per annum. Graham, I don't know if you have some further thoughts.
3: Yes, look it's it's certainly um it's one of those plants that was well built. Um it's not that old. Um, and there's plenty of real estate we can actually um, add to that plant. So it's, uh, the plant number would be somewhere between the sort of the, the, uh, the low twos to sort of the high two millions, that sort of number. Um, it needs um, it, it, it's, we're undertaking um, the initial uh, uh, engineering study as we speak. so we're we starting to get a good feel for what's there. And, uh, and as I said that will then sort of lead to the final decision on what size that will be. Um, we do have um, lots of resources and lots of reserves to uh, to fill the plant so that's uh, an obvious sort of advantage for us.
0: And, and is this study going to uh, be done in time to factor into your comprehensive mine plan mid-year or is that something that we look forward to after that?
3: No, it's uh, it'll be um, uh, the way things are shaping up. It should be part of that uh, that uh, that plan that we're looking at. And as I said, it's uh, um, there are a number of options we we do have open to us, and that's certainly one of them. Okay, oh, that's great. Okay,
0: thanks. That that's uh, that's that's clear now. Um, just another couple short ones here. Just um, the uh, the Dumont Nickel. Project. I mean, there's still they up to 30 million dollars. I think for you to uh, receive on that deal. Any any updates or status or, or um, on, on how that uh, that transaction would, is proceeding? I mean, is Waterton uh, giving you any insights?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. And obviously, with uh, the excitement around the the EV industry and 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 a lot of capital flowing into nickel projects around the world. There certainly has been more attention paid to Dumont than, than in previous years. Uh, we have regular dialogue with water in terms of updates on, on parties that are, are knocking on their door and, and, and parties that are conducting due diligence. So um, as expected, there's there's certainly interest in the project uh, given the current nickel environment. So you know, if there are any developments there, we'll, we'll make sure to to update our shareholders, but we're, we're confident in, uh, in there being a, a sale of that project over the coming years.
0: Yeah, but so so, uh, but they haven't given you any thoughts or any uh, guidance as to whether it's uh, they're looking at a one-year or two-year or, or or time horizon. Like, there's no there's no window of uh, of guidance for that.
2: We yeah we we don't have specific guidance in terms of uh, when the. The sale would be expected. Of course, the parties that are coming in uh, are subject to their own due diligence periods. So there, there are parties that are looking at the project as we speak. Um, however, of course, they have to complete their due diligence before before any offers are made.
0: Got it. Okay. No thanks. And then just one final quick question. You mentioned the um, Australian uh, potential Australian listing, and and Paul's obviously getting packed to to head down there. Um, what's the status of that i mean i've been talking about it for a while are there any any major problems with that or was it um it just a, a timing thing
2: yeah it it's mostly a timing thing we we've actually already completed a lot of the the legal and regulatory work required for that listing uh we were down that path last year obviously uh things uh, changed dramatically when covid-19 impacted you know world capital markets and and everything and everybody um so a lot of that groundwork is done there are typically two windows which you look at uh, launching uh, an ASX listing, and, and we're certainly targeting the one that would be more so in the fall. Uh, one of the important things to note here for us is that this is a, a demand-driven listing. It's not a listing seeking demand. So we have had very strong demand from Australian institutions for us to list over there, and uh, we're making sure with fall moving over there, obviously, that we'll be able to get in front of them and, and properly market the listing, but it's it's all looking very good for, for a potential listing later this year.
0: Okay, yeah, that was my follow-up. Was was really the rationale to to that listing. And, and do you know, I have an idea of what your current shareholder distribution is. You know, North America versus Australia or other.
2: Yep. Yeah, as it stands today, we, we are predominantly North American with some strong European shareholders as well. Uh, we we do have one Australian fund that has a, a strong position in in our stock. However. Typically speaking, the the Australian funds don't venture over to to acquire TSX paper. There's also a a very large pool of capital in Australia um, that's focused around their superannuation programs, over $1.6 trillion worth of capital, which uh, remains captive in Australia and must be deployed into Australian listed names. Uh, So we're certainly excited in terms of getting in front of some of those institutions that have access to that kind of capital. Um, So obviously this is the plan here being that we'll have more Australian institutions owning the stock uh, by the end of this year.
0: Okay, no thanks for that color. Um that's it for me, Noah, uh, and again, uh it's been a really uh busy year and, and some great accomplishments, so congratulations again. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from Ian Parkinson from Steeple GMP. Please go ahead, your line is open.
6: Yeah, thanks operator. Uh, good morning everyone. I hope everybody on the line's uh keeping well and healthy in these challenging times. Um Oliver, uh how should we how should we think about gross capital spending for twenty twenty one and and then the timing on a on a quarterly basis. Can you just kinda of run me through how it's distributed through the year?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So uh,
2: obviously with uh with Spargos coming online by mid year we've we've already begun some of that preparatory work in terms of getting Spargos ready for for mining uh, and and some of the the minor infrastructure required there. So you will see um, uh, capital uh, start to, to spike up in the first quarter. Um, that, that The first uh, half of the year will obviously be uh, capital deploy- being deployed into Spargos. And then uh, as we get into the third and fourth quarter, there's potential for our Aquarius open pit to begin earthworks as well. Um, so uh, along with with grade improvement, you'll, you'll have capital be slightly weighted towards the first half of the year. But grade improvements will drive ounce increases towards the second half of the year. Um, with with respect to uh, to beta hunt, we expect capital to to remain pretty consistent there over the course of the year. We are currently driving some uh, some additional ventilation raises to improve ventilation in, in the bottom parts of the beta hunt mine uh, so you can expect some of that capital to be attached to the first and second quarters as well. Um, so that should uh, put us in a pretty good position for the second half of the year with respect to financials.
6: Okay, great, thanks for that and just one more quick one. So looking at the mill expansion. Is there anything within that supply chain of equipment and gear, et cetera, that's required that's causing you any concern? I mean, we've just seen a few cases in the industry where, whether it be steel prices and their rapid escalation or or spare parts availability, is there anything in there that we should be concerned about that will make that end of year uh, target um, a risk?
2: Yeah, that, that's a very good question, and I think i will hand that over to Graham, given his, uh, you know, his feet on the ground and finger on the pulse in terms of what's moving in and out of Western Australia. Thank you.
1: Yeah.
3: Hi, Ian. Um, yeah, look, at, at the moment, the, the the mill expansion isn't isn't uh, uh, overly onerous as far as the, the the new equipment we require. It's more modifications of what we have got there. Um, and there is sort of one or two pieces that will come um, from outside, but the rest is really contained within what we have got. So it's uh, and and so we don't expect to see any sort of uh, delay. Um, uh, certainly not on, on what we're seeing at the moment, and
4: and, and I don't forecast to see it either. In.
7: Okay, great.
6: Thank you very much. That's all I have. Stay safe. Stay safe, everyone.
1: As a reminder to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one. Your next question comes from David Talbot from Red Cloud Securities. Please go ahead, your line is open.
7: Hi there, everyone. Uh, Thank you, and I continue the trend of congratulating you on a great quarter here. Um, Just uh, regarding the 32 million in debt on the balance sheet, can you give us an idea of what you're looking for sort of in, in efforts to refinance this debt this year?
4: Yeah, thank you, David. I'll hand that over to our CFO, Barry Dahl. Thank you. Yeah, we're looking at refinancing that debt at a lower rate um, and getting a revolving line of credit available for the expansion plans that we'll be releasing later in the in the in the year. Okay, so short and sweet then. Um,
7: I guess on to a second question here. you You took care of royalty costs quite uh, quite nicely, and you did make some comments uh, on following Tom's questions about capital, uh, sorry about the Alden sustaining costs. I'm just curious what sort of cost control initiatives are underway at the operations, and you know should we see a near double in milk throughput? What sort of cost savings might we see?
2: that's a, that's a good question um with with respect to to cost control. Um, I'll, I'll hand it over to, to Graham to further elaborate. But you know, we've gone through a tremendous year, a period of 18 months, really, through to the end of last year, uh, with respect to optimizing uh, our performance at the at the mill uh, side of things, with respect to uh, you know availabilities, um, obviously improvements and recoveries, but also improvements with procurement of items and talking to our our top 20 vendors with respect to negotiating better contracts uh, has been a big part of that. So a lot of the the cost uh, performance and, and advantages we can we can take um, have already been executed on over the course of the year. Um, we have much stricter controls in place now with respect to all of those cost inputs. So I certainly wouldn't expect any cost inflation. As the as the mill increases throughput, obviously you're, spread, you're spreading a fixed cost over a, a greater tonnage basis. So on a per ton basis, we would expect costs to, to come down and certainly play uh, play into our own sustaining cost metrics. Um, that's part of what we will outline in our growth plan and, and, and what we expect to deliver is multi-year guidance to the market as part of the growth plan. So you'll see some of the benefits of those cost improvements flow through there. Uh, Graham, I don't know if you have a couple things to add
3: there. Yeah, just um, uh, just on that, uh, with the, the, David, this, the, um, the costs there, I think we, we've looked at the top 20 costs across the group, and we've been targeting those now for some uh, 12, 18 months, and we've seen some really good reductions in a number of those top ones, especially around fuel, um, power um and and we're starting to work now into the reagent section of the mill where we now have the mill sort of um, uh, sort of probably optimum performance for what it is and and we've been able to minimize the amount of reagents and still get recoveries and and the throughputs that we like and we've also sort of made some pretty big improvements in costs in the underground section where we've increased the efficiency We've come back from, we've looked at how even the blasting techniques we've used, um, the type of explosive we used, um, the actual the size of the diameter of the hole that we're using in the in the stove blasting have all been charred, changed and they're all sort of now uh, getting some really good cost benefits from, flowing from those. So lots of effort, lots of uh, uh, individual projects, and uh, as I said, we have... Uh, a project team and one of their key uh, um, aims and targets is to uh, is to minimize the top 20 costs and keep an eye on those looking at it so yeah lots of work and and some good results coming out the back end
7: okay thank you and then as you're moving into multiple deposits here later this year do you see yourself keeping on top of these changes uh being able to uh to deal with the different bets coming through
3: Sorry, I missed you. You just broke up a bit there. Could so just repeat that again for me?
7: Yeah, sorry. Just a question about, you know, as you start producing from multiple deposits, do you see yourself keeping on top of these changes and being able to to deal with the different metallurgical uh, environments you're, you're working with?
3: Yeah, we're pretty fortunate in, in the vast majority of the, the resources uh, and the mining areas that we're now um, sourcing all from. Uh, the metallurgy is pretty solid it's uh, it's not um it's not a difficult it does uh, get a bit scratchy around spargos um but our work to date shows we should still be around that 90% for spargos um uh, beta hunt still very good up to 95 96% um higginsville's around the 92 90. and so overall our average grade and it comes back to one of the advantages that we have got, we are able to blend the right product into the mill to optimal, to optimize that uh, that recovery. So yeah, we have a number of stockpiles and, and that allows us to do that blending uh, uh, quite efficiently. So now I don't expect to see um, any issues around uh,
4: recoveries from what we uh, our current project or life of mine.
7: Okay, thank you very much everyone.
1: We have no further questions. I would like to turn the call back over to Oliver Turner for closing remarks.
2: Thank you. And thanks to everyone again for joining us today. Look, we had a fantastic year in 2020, and we're certainly excited, as you can probably tell by our tone on this call, and what we have ahead of us in 2021. We look forward to reporting on all of that progress and, of course, our organic growth plan to the market in the coming months here as we move the business forward. So I wish everyone the best. Thank you, operator, and thank you, everyone, for your time.